Welcome, JC Peeps, to the Junction City Podcast. I am your host today, Colby Peterson, and we have on the show with us Mr. John Miles. John, how are you Hello. doing? Good. How you doing, buddy? Good. Uh, today, we have a special episode for you. We're going to be interviewing Alex McDonald, who is running for the county commission here in Weber County. Uh, Alex, good to have you on the show. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're excited. Um, so we're going to be talking a little bit about Alex's campaign for the commission, what motivated him to run for the seat, a little bit about him and his career. And uh, we're going to get Alex's vision for what he would like to see if elected to the county commission in terms of a number of issues that that affect Weber County residents. But before we hop into that, I want to encourage the JC peeps, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're getting this podcast, please feel please feel free to subscribe. And uh, also tell your friends. That's how we grow the community and we get into more ears, more JC peeps. And if you haven't already, join us on Facebook. We have a great Facebook group called the Junction City Forum where we talk about a number of issues there. Con conversations that happen beyond the podcast. It's a great spot. And also you can follow us on Instagram and on Twitter. So with that, uh, I'd like to introduce you to Alex McDonald. Uh, Alex, how have things been going in your neck of the woods in your part of the county? Well, Colby, it's actually been going really well. It's uh, kind of hard to believe it's the middle of September already. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> I, agree. Like, uh, I agree. I agree, man. That happen? And then thinking with uh, COVID, the wind and everything else, it's kind of a I'm waiting for the four horsemen to show up any day now. <laughs> totally. Uh, Angel Castillo. <laughs> yeah, she posted this meme the other day that was this person looking out the window. and was like, just checking to see which part of the book of the Revelation we're in today. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I had to chuckle about that. So. so but yeah, no, th things are going well. Um, and of course, it's uh, an interesting year to be uh, campaigning as pretty much everybody's aware not being able to go to parade or not having any parades, I should say. Uh, no large meetings and things like that. So it's been a very interesting year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I, I wondered, Alex, if we'd begin the conversation today by just chatting a little bit about you. Who is Alex McDonald? Uh, <laughs> could you just kind of give us a, give us your bio? Tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, um, Ashley Kobe, for the last 27 years, um, I've been working with organ, eye, and tissue donation uh, in two states, Utah and Idaho. And what that's been really good, you know, for me and hopefully for the people that are waiting for a transplant is it's given me a chance to work with legislators in two states, businesses, uh, charities, media, you know, a way to bring a whole bunch of people together to get the message out about donation. And one of the things I'm really proud of, and, and of course, I've got to give a lot of compliments to my staff, too. You know, it's not just a one-person deal. Yeah. But Utah has been ranked number one by one of the medical journals in the country, and actually number four internationally uh, in a couple of different measures for organ donation. So I, I'm very proud of that and what our staff has been able to do. Um, so that's what I've been doing for 27 years, but my education is I've got a master's in public administration from the University of Utah, and I'm originally from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and so I've got an undergraduate in political science and speech communications from the University of Minnesota. So, so I've had kind of a varied background in you know public relations, education, and marketing, which I think could really serve well, uh, you know, to try and promote Weaver County and make really good things happen here. 
Yeah, I think so because I think uh, sometimes folks forget in the, in the melee of you know being an administrator in county or city government, your job at the, at the end of the day is to promote your city or your county, right? And having a little bit of a marketing background certainly helps. Well, you know, we've got so many good things going for us here in Weber County. Uh, great people, great recreation. Um, I mean, we've got it all, really, when you think about it. I mean, where else can you live right on the mountains for, you know, under $4 million like we're able to? Um, it's a great location. And I think there's just so much to be proud of. And I think, you know, there's a lot of ways, like you were saying, we can promote Weber County and make it, you know, uh, top notch in this state. Well, and it's it's even more than marketing, isn't it? I mean, you're involved in lobbying and, and I mean, really marketing it to even government officials, right? Well, yeah, that's a good point, John. Um, in, in both states, Utah and Idaho, which, of course, you know, I'm making air quotes around very red states, I've been able to work with legislators to get things passed. And it's been, you know, really rewarding. Um, probably I've had about 10 or 15 pieces of legislation in both states passed promoting donation, getting people to come together. And yeah, it's been very rewarding and I have a lot of great relationships. So yeah, thanks for mentioning that. It's been a, it's been a good, good thing. So uh, originally from Minnesota, proud golden gopher then, is that right? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you got to watch out for those gophers. They're vicious. So uh, you don't want to cross them. <laughs> you know, they had a great season. I, I'm sure, I don't know if you listen to the show or not. We had Chris Neville on a number of times. Chris Neville also a proud golden gopher. And, yep. uh, and so we talked a lot about that last season. You know, we were sort of commiserating he and I between Weber State football was doing well. Minnesota football was doing well. And, uh, you know, we were going back and forth. But I was also going to ask, proud, uh, are you a big fan of the Minnesota Twins? You know, yeah. I mean, I, I have so many fond memories of going to baseball games with my father and, you know, some of the old names that come up, Harmon Killebrew, Rod Carew. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I'm probably really, really dating myself. I know. I know. They had television back then and it was a lot of fun, but going to the games, there's nothing like being there in person. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, I feel like that's the experience of baseball is to be had live if you can get it. And that's why really um, hoping, really hoping we get to keep our hometown baseball team, the Ogden Raptors here. Yeah, that's going to be a challenging thing. I've worked with uh, both the Raptors and then also uh, up in Idaho Falls, and they're very concerned about what's going to happen if uh, Major League Baseball pulls out like they're talking about. But that's a whole nother, Certainly <laughs> nother is. topic. Yeah. Yep. And, and we know that, you know, the county officials, city officials are all, you know, nobody wants to see the Raptors go away. So easy, easy uh, thing to get on board with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So Alex, I wanted to kind of start asking a couple of questions about some of the, the policies or uh, the issues that you've been running on. And um, you were recently a part of a town hall that we did, the Junction City podcast did in conjunction with the Weber County Democratic Party. If, you're, if you haven't watched it yet, there's a video of that on the Weber County Democrats Facebook page. Um, but you brought up something interesting in that town hall. You talked about how Weber County has the highest poverty rate, the highest unemployment rate, and the lowest median income of the, um, what do I want to say, the, the, the counties along the Wasatch Front. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, the four major counties, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so I wanted to dig a little bit more into that. I mean, how did you learn about this? And what have folks been telling you as you've been, you know, phone banking or, you know, just campaigning in general? Sure. Well, you know, it's one of those things, Colby, where when I started looking into, you know, thinking I wanted to run and then started looking at some of these issues that are coming up, um, 
you know, in my mind, I, I think what really kind of prompted a lot of it is looking at how well uh, Utah County and Salt Lake County are doing, you know, the silicone slopes mm-hmm. and, and how well that's doing. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. <laughs> We're not that far away from the airport. We're, you know, why aren't we getting some of those things happening here? Yes. And it just wasn't making sense. And plus you drive through Davis County, especially like Layton and some of those areas, and it's booming. I mean, things are just going crazy. And again, uh, I have to look at the unemployment here, poverty, median income going, why, why are we behind on everything? It just didn't make sense. And so that's why I thought, you know, I've, I've got to take a look at this. I'm fully retired now and I'll have nothing but time to spend to make sure I'm representing every part of Weber County and trying to do the best I can, you know, to make really good things happen here. Yeah. Uh, one thing I, I would point out. Uh, so when some of those numbers get put together, especially census numbers, they talk about Ogden Metro, which includes Clearfield, which is part of Davis County. And I think it's kind of a, a dirty trick on Davis County's part because they're like, oh, we're going to we don't you know, uh, my sense of Davis County is that they don't they, they could take or leave Clearfield. Clearfield well, would be much off on us. Yeah. yeah well, and my thing is, like, honestly, Clearfield should probably be part of Weber County because it just, you know, the Clearfield vibe fits very well with the Weber County vibe in my view. And so it's like, Hey, just bring them in, man. Just bring them in. That's fine. Oh, he disagrees. John disagrees. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, well, like you said, yeah, we have things we agree and disagree on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. But, uh, I, you know, it's, it's a great, it's a really interesting point that for some reason, the Silicon Slopes have not extended up here into Weber County. You know, we don't have necessarily that, that tech boom making its way too far north of Farmington. And I, and I wonder why that is. And if, you know, it's a part of maybe potentially the leadership that we've had in the past on the commission. I mean, why do you think that is? Well, I, I think it's, it's a combination of things. Um, you know, I mean, we've got Weber State here. We've got the technical college. So we should have, you know, that good educational base going, you know, to get industries and things here. Uh, I think what it is, though, is you're bringing up a good point, is have people been working together? Have the city and county, well, Ogden, and of course, there's other cities as well in Weber County. We have to remain, you know, cognizant of that. But, you know, being the most populous city is kind of like, well, are they working together? Are they trying to make things happen together? Because you can't just have the county doing something, the city doing something, and the other cities outlying. They all have to work together because it's transportation, it's highway, it's infrastructure, all of those things, you have to go hand in hand to make those things happen. And I haven't been, uh, you know, in any board meetings or anything in Utah County, but it looks like they really have a down. I mean, they're working together. And again, you drive down I-15 and you see what's going on there. And it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's good to see because that's pretty clean industry too. Um, and it's high paying and it's getting people to come here from all around the, the country, which, you know, I, I think brings a nice diversity in as well. It'll just help the economy overall too. So I think we're really missing out here and we have to do something to turn that around. So you see the role of the, of the County commission as being more of that um, sort of that, uh, how, how do I want to call it? Just, uh, just the person who gathers everybody together and says, let's pull in one direction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, when you kind of look at the structure of state, county, and city government, yeah, I mean, it's we're kind of that next level underneath state government. And it really should be the county's role to pull together uh, all of the cities within Weber and even the unincorporated ones and pull them in and say, we've got to have 
you know, a plan. How are we all going to make this work? And we can't just have this city doing this, this city doing that, and that city, and then the county going, well, okay, well, we'll build a road once you get that in, or, you know, whatever. It's got to be a coordinated effort between all of those players. Yeah, a little bit more comprehensive in the way that we go about that economic development. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Alex, I wanted to ask, you know, with that, a couple of years ago, the county commission put out a report um, about economic development. And it feels like that the reason they did that, there was because there was public pressure watching all of the economic development that has happened in Ogden. And so they felt like they needed to come up with their own. But I wanted to ask you, you know, straight, straight, get it straight from you. What, what kind of industries or what kind of economic development would you like to see as a county commissioner in Weber County? Sure. Well, um, you know, there's been some, uh, I'm trying to say, well, what's the word? Aeronautic. Um, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but mm-hmm. aeronautic things coming out to um, the Ogden Airport. Um, they're building a lot out there. And, you know, those are good jobs coming in. And I think, again, a lot of the high tech, you know, it, it's you don't have to drive to the office anymore. You know, so you don't need a whole lot of office building infrastructure, but you do need some major companies to come in and start having a presence that people can, you know, fill positions there. And with some of the manufacturing that's going on, um, I mean, I was looking at something with the uh, technical college and after say about an eight month program working with, um, you know, high impact resins and things like that, that they use in airplanes and jets. Composites, I mean, yeah. these people can start making, you know, 50, $60,000 a year after an eight or a 10 month course and a little bit of an apprenticeship. And I mean, that's a good, you know, income and especially after, you know, eight to 10 months of school. So I think we have, have to drive to, to Salt Lake to get the job or are the jobs here. Well, there's a combination, John, that that's a good question. There's a lot of jobs around here, you know, both in Weber County and then Northern Davis with Hill Air Force and everything, of course. But, you know, when you look at there is really a big exodus of people to Salt Lake every morning and -hmm. coming back every afternoon because that's where the high paying jobs are. And so we've got to do something to keep those people here. It's going to be better for the highways. It's better for the environment. It's better just all the way around. And so I think we have to take a look at that. How do we do that? And I think, Colby, your question of what kind of industries I think is going to have to be a high tech um, you know, some manufacturing and things like that. And we also have to tie in education that, again, will support those industries that move here. So there's educated, you know, employees that will be able to fill those positions right away. Again, it's kind of that whole comprehensive thing. It's not just getting an industry here. It's making sure people trained and educated that can fill those positions. That's what industries are going to be looking for. Certainly. And it helps also that, you know, the cost of living is fairly low in Weber County for now. And, like you said, we have the benefit of having a, a major university plus a technical college to fill some of those roles, whether that's a computer science degree or, like you said, manufacturing composites. I'm currently a student in the construction tech program at the ATC. Uh, there are a lot of options for you, and we're, well, we're and, lucky to have them. Yeah, and two, you, you look at the, the, the highway structure coming through here. We also have major rail sections coming through. I mean, so there's all of those things that are already here that we need to just coordinate better and tie in better with all of those things. Yeah. I wanted to ask Alex, um, when we were talking to candidates during the municipal election, one of my big things was I feel that when it comes to economic development and attracting technical 
the high tech companies to Weber County. I look at Salt Lake County and Salt Lake City has Google Fiber. I look at Utah County, Utah County has Google Fiber in Provo. And then in Davis County, they have Utopia, which is this, you know, also this fiber network. And I wondered why does Utopia not extend into Weber County? So I wondered if you might speak to, you know, uh, the potential of internet infrastructure in Weber County and what that might do. I mean, I don't know if you've had anybody talk about that on the, on the well, trail. that's um, one of those things that, again, looking at doing things comprehensively, um, you know, a lot of Weber County is, you know, semi-rural. And mm-hmm. so if, if, again, we want folks to be able to work from home and right now too, I think to take a step back, is looking at COVID and students, that don't want to, you know, maybe the parents don't want to send them right back to school right now. They'd rather homeschool them or have them learn. We've got to have things like that in place so people can communicate. They, they can get all of those things done with high-speed internet. And it's frustrating. I, I know for the first couple months during COVID working from home, I mean, all my neighbors are on their internet working from home and stuff too. I mean, it was so slow. It almost reminded me of dialogue. You know, I was kind of waiting for that AOL sound to come on. <laughs> old school. <laughs> Very old school. Yeah, again, I'm dating myself. But, I mean, with, that's like kind of the, the fiber networks and things like that. We have to start looking at, we have to incorporate that. It, it's We can't rely on, you know, 20th century technology to get us through these things. We have to incorporate those things. And sometimes it seems like it's kind of kicking and screaming, but we're going to have to do it. Well, and you can't expect one of those high-rises like in Utah County, someone like Adobe, to come here when we can't handle the bandwidth that they need. Like, somebody needs to put that together or we're not going to be able to compete. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, when you look at, um, you know, the things they're doing, you know, through their networks, I mean, it's not, they're not just gaming or something. This is stuff that takes a lot of bandwidth and it's got to be in place. I mean, those are infrastructural changes that have to happen. Yeah, and it's definitely something I would love to see in Weber County because I think that that could be a game changer in Ogden. If we put fiber in, you know, especially Ogden City, but also across the county, uh, it makes it a very attractive place not only to live but to work because, like you said, the Internet speeds are there that you can open up a high-tech office in the First Security Bank building, and it's uh, not weird to take up two or three floors of that building and run your tech company out of those. And and again, thinking of the more kind of rural areas, if – somebody is farming and I mean, they've got to look at grain prices. They've got to do all these other things to make sure their business is going well too. It's not just large high tech places, but all of these folks have to have those things in place as well so they can manage their businesses. So it, it, it it has to incorporate again, everybody. It has to be comprehensive and broader than, um, you know, just the high, you know, high impact or high, um, density areas. So we've got to include everybody on that. It's got to be done at the county level, the county commission level. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, you know, I, I talked to a few folks um, in, you know, the outlying areas and they, they keep, they feel like they're forgotten. You mm. know, it's just, um, they always feel like they're forgotten on everything. And, you know, it's the major cities get things. And I want to make sure that we're being inclusive uh, because the city is going to continue to grow. People are going to, you know, keep coming here. So we've got to include those outlying areas because it's going to affect them one way or the other as well in the next yeah. 10, 20 years. Yeah. If you want manufacturing, like you say, I mean, if you're going to build some kind of new place to do manufacturing, it's going to be out West. There's just no, no way around. Well, and, yeah. And housing too, John. Yeah. I mean, so how do we, yeah. 
how do we incorporate housing uh, industry and then tie that in with transportation systems? We have to make sure there's a bus line, um, you know, all those types of things that, that make a huge difference tying in the fiber optics, like you were saying, Colby. I mean, so it's not just one or two things. It's, again, taking that 30,000 foot view and going, what in 15 or 20 years will make this the best it can be? Not, hey, next week we haven't have a road in here. You know, it's got to be better planning than that. Mm. Yeah, I will say that uh, you're absolutely right. The folks that live in the western part of the county, especially which are under the purview of the county commission because it's unincorporated out there. My grandparents live out there and their Internet options are extremely limited. Uh, they, they can't even get, you know, if they want to pay for satellite Internet, it can be very expensive. And so for the most part, um, they they mostly forego paying for Internet out there. And it, that's just not I mean, it's it's 2020. And those folks live 10 minutes from Ogden City. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's unacceptable. Definitely. Definitely. Well, uh, I wanted to pivot, Alex, and talk a little bit more about the county commission and about the role of commissioner. And during the town hall last week, you um, pointed out that commissioners do make a pretty solid living when it comes to salary and benefits compared to some of the other folks in our county, like teachers and sheriffs. And I wondered if you'd talk about that again for the JC peeps and talk a little bit about what are they making and what are we getting for our tax dollars? Yeah. Well, I think Kobe, I always like to back up just a little bit and say a lot of times when I talk to people and they go, you're running for commission. What's that? (laughs) Yeah. So number one, they don't even know there's a commission. Um, Secondly, of course, then they don't know who their commissioner is. Uh, So that's kind of interesting. So they don't know there's this group and they don't know who their commissioner is. And with benefits, commissioners make on average $177,000 a year. That's including benefits. And in my mind, that is just obscene. I mean, to be an elected official making that much money from taxpayers, um, and especially, and you'd mentioned, you know, there's a comparison. When you look at uh, like sheriff's deputies here in Weber County with benefits, they're making between forty and fifty-seven thousand dollars a year. Uh, teachers, forty to fifty-one thousand dollars. And it's one of those things where, especially, I mean, well, with both actually, you know, sheriff's deputies, they're putting their lives on the line to protect us, you know, twenty-four-seven. And again, with teachers, you could argue they're putting their lives on the line every time they walk into a classroom now sure. with, you know, the COVID and, and everything. So it, it's in my mind, you have to kind of just ask the question, what makes a commissioner worth three times? You know, what maybe a sheriff's deputy or a teacher is. And then when you look at what the median family income in Weber County is, it's $62,000. That's the median family income in Weber County. So you, to me, you look at 177,000, and again, I wanna be clear, that includes benefits, which bumps it up, but that still is a lot of money for something, someone that people don't know, and they don't know, um, you know, who they are, what they do. It, it's, yeah. it's, I think it's almost like, let's just kind of keep it quiet. You know, they never made a big deal. So if nothing else, even if I don't win, I want to bring this up because I think that needs to change. I think those salaries should be trimmed back to, I think, a professional salary of eighty to 90000 and then add benefits on top of that. But right now, that's just obscene. I mean, that's – I mean, 
the governor's salary is $150,000 and he covers the whole state. Wow, I didn't, right. I didn't know that that was all the government ma- the governor made. Yeah, wow. Now, of course, you know, he gets a free house and a driver and stuff too. So we have to take that all. But I mean, you just wow. have to look at these things and go, wow, what a perspective. It's just, but I mean, even he is not sitting around setting his own salary. Like we have three people on a commission who get to decide what they make just among themselves. Yeah, well, and, all, and all it takes is for two of them to agree. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. And so one other thing, and this just uh, uh, gets me going, is they also get a $600 a month car allowance. Whoa, oh. 600 so, bucks a month is quite a car payment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not reimbursement. It's not like they're driving all those miles. They just get $600 a month. And about you know, a year and a half, two years ago, uh, KSL did an, kind of an in-depth you know, research into all of this. And one of the commissioners just said, oh, oh, KSL said, why don't you just pay reimbursement like every other county? And the response was, oh, we should probably look into that. I mean, I'm not opposed to people getting paid for travel, why, but why not stick to the 54 cents or whatever it is the IRS guidelines are? Makes sense to reimburse, but just to give a check doesn't make any sense at all to me. Yeah, like you said, that's quite a car payment. And, um, you know, Alex, a big part of your campaign is, you know, you're Scottish and so you're the thrifty Scott. And so $600 a month is a couple of real good car payments in my view. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it's just, again, as a taxpayer, I just think this is obscene and I, I don't think this is right. And I'd like to see those things change and take, trim those salaries, get rid of that car payment. And get those resources to people that need it. Get it to teachers so they can get supplies. Get it to sheriff's deputies, maybe so they can get a little bit of a bump and want to stay here instead of going to Salt Lake County. And you know, just it just makes more sense. Instead of raising taxes, let's reallocate some of the resources that are out there. I'm curious. All right, you got me going now, Colby. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, and I'm wondering if if you've thought about how. I mean, if you get in there, you're going to be with these uh, two other Republicans and you're going to have to find a way to be able to get things done where you've got guys who are honestly probably in a little bit of a club together. Uh, So I wonder (laughs) if you've thought thought about that at all, uh, how you might approach that. Well, you know, John, I have. And and that's a really good point. Um, You know, I'm not looking to obstruct things, hold things up. You know, I want to make the county better for people. And I I think they do, too, to be perfectly honest. But I I think they're in a system where why would you argue against having a high salary or, you know, a car allowance? So I I think those are the types of things I can bring to it. The other thing that kind of goes along with it, each of the commissioners has their own businesses besides Uh, whether it's real estate development, a heating, air conditioning company, a plumbing company. Um, And and so looking at, well, and I look at how many people run for a state office and that pays like $23,000 a year. Granted, it's part-time, but you have people lined up that want to help and they want to serve and they want to do good things for the state. I can't believe nobody would want to be a commissioner for only (laughs) 80, 80 or $90,000 right. a year. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and so I, I just think it's it's obscene. I think it's just people aren't educated about that. And that's what I'm hoping to do is educate them about this just isn't right. It isn't fair. And we have to take a look at changing the structure. So, right. Right. To shine a little light on but, it. But, 
what I think, I think, John, again, to get back to your original question, I, again, I'm not here to just block things or oppose things. I want to make things work, and I believe they do, too. And I think this is something that with, you know, some public pressure, I, I don't see how they couldn't acquiesce and go, you know, I think this does make sense, and we need to take a look at it. Probably be uncomfortable for the first few months, I'm sure. <laughs> but. I mean, well, you know, that's business and we have to get past those things and we've got to make things better. That's really what it boils down to. Well, yeah. And I, I think that could be exciting. I mean, I, I, people feel like, I think right now people feel like if they get involved, it's not really going to do anything. The last thing I remember is the property tax hike that really got everybody worked up and they feel like they went down there and the commissioners didn't really have to do anything. And so I think what you say is right, that you shine a little light on it, you get people interested and then you show them that, there's a way to actually make this change. I mean, I think I think that is the way to do it. I like that a lot. Well, it, it's it's again, it, it's uh, I, I'm fine with you know working on things, compromising. I'm also used to getting into arguments with people, but again, as long as it's positive and leading to something, a good outcome. You know, again, I don't want to argue just to argue, but it, things have to change. It just this is a different time now, and we have to adjust to that. And that might mean a little bit of a haircut when it comes to salaries. And I, I don't think that's a big thing to ask for. Yeah. Well, I don't either. And, you know, we have had Commissioner Harvey on the show before, and we asked him about one of the things that I find really puzzling about the county commission is one of the reasons people aren't very involved in it is because meetings happen on Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. And yeah, we were counting it. Yeah, Weaver County is largely a blue-collar county, and folks got to work. That's just what it is. Even when I had a white-collar job, I found it difficult to get down to the commission chambers at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday and just be there to listen. And so they say, well, yeah. we, we broadcast it. And when we had Commissioner Harvey on, we asked him, well, why wouldn't, uh, why wouldn't they consider moving it to the evenings like a city council meeting? And they said, well, you know, we've done that in the past, and – well, we, we got to make all of our employees yes, stay that late. You know, we talked about the, the issue was staff. Well, we'd have to pay staff to stay late for those meetings. And I was like, well, if you take a, you know, a, a $50,000 pay cut, that, that probably wouldn't be an issue. <laughs> probably well, co cover plenty of overtime. Give a to get overtime. People, yeah, get people involved and actually aware of what your commission is doing as opposed to watching videos after hours after the fact. Yeah. Uh, and saying, okay, so that happened, and never really having a, a way to voice those concerns. Yeah, or, I mean, you, we could either make it in the evening, like you say, at 7. So on Tuesdays, people come in at 10 in the morning, and they stay till 7 instead of coming in. I mean, you can yeah. adjust schedules, or why not, or maybe do the meetings at 7 in the morning. And, you know, so on the way to work, people can watch That's it. Right. I mean, there, there's all these things alternate. Yeah, I mean, that that to me is uh, not, a, not a good excuse. I mean, where I used to work, we were on salary and you worked when you got the job done. And if part of your job is helping broadcast these meetings, well, <laughs> that's what you do on a Tuesday night at six or seven o'clock. It's just the way it is. That's a job expectation. I'm used to customer service <laughs> and I wanna do what's best for my customers. And in this case, it'll be the citizens. And so if they want to talk to me or see this council meeting at seven o'clock at night, 
that's fine with me. I can do that once a week. It's not going to kill me. That's the least I can do to serve these folks. That's, I, I just don't get that. You know, this is a real sidetrack, but I got to credit to Alex. You taught me the value of a breakfast meeting. We used to get together for meetings and you'd always be like, let's just get together for breakfast. We'd go get coffee. There'd be like a crowd of people there that we just end up chatting with. Breakfast meetings are great. You taught me that. Thank you, sir. Well, you know, it, it's one of those things, John. Thanks for bringing that up. I mean, because I am a true believer in you never eat alone. It, it's it's something where breakfast meetings, I like them because if you get together at seven and you're done by eight, you've gotten business done. You've had to have, you know, you got to eat anyway. So you've had breakfast and then you get on with your day. And the same with lunch. You know, why not have a lunch meeting? Because we all have to eat. And so include business in that so you're not taking up a whole bunch of time otherwise. <laughs> I just, I, yeah, again, I try to be thrifty with my time as well as my money. I mean, I just look at this whole thing and everything is about time, you know, and you have to cram as much as you can into a day. And that's what I want to do. Well, that's so, awesome. I, I 100% agree, Alex, because there definitely have been times where it's like, well, you, there are only so many hours in the day. So what can you get accomplished in these hours? Because work smart, not hard is the way to go. Oh, exactly. And you know, it's one of those things too. Um, and I would encourage people to go online to uh, Weber County commission.org and just take a look at the, the County structure too. Um, and I think there's a lot of good people working there, so I'm not picking on employees, but there is a lot of good staff. And again, there's no reason that they can't accommodate, you know, having meetings at seven o'clock at night or seven o'clock in the morning. There's, when, when you look at the support they have, it's not like there's only five people that run the county. You know, I mean, there's a lot of administrative people and, and again, rotate it. So not everybody has to work every Tuesday night, except the commissioners. Yeah, it's yeah. not that hard to do. Well, yeah. And my argument back is like cities across the county do it all the time. They're doing sure. it all the time. And so if the cities can figure out, why can't the county government figure it out? Bingo. Yeah, exactly. Because, That's our slogan. <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, no, no city government holds a, a, a city council meeting during the day. It simply does not happen. Yeah. So, so why is the commission? Yeah. No, we'll change that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would certainly love to see it. Um, Alex, I wanted to give you uh, an opportunity to maybe ask what are some other issues that, you know, you've heard about on the campaign trail or some that you're highlighting in your campaign so that, to let the JC peeps know. Yeah. Um, the other big thing um, that I've been hearing a lot about and I would really like to coordinate and work on is uh, intergenerational poverty. It, it, it's huge in, in Weber County. And there's so many good nonprofit organizations in place right now. Uh, and again, kind of to act as that, if you will, not umbrella, umbrella is the only word I can really think of, but is, is to help coordinate those efforts. Um, I mean, they're all doing very good jobs kind of independently. And it would be nice to uh, help guide them, not overtake anything, not take over their jobs, but how can the county help coordinate between uh, Red Cross, YCC, Youth Impact, all of these great places, Cottages of Hope, and, and make sure it's kind of a one-stop shop where people can then know, oh, when I need help with X, I go here. When I need it for A, B, or C, I go over here. Um, I, I think things are kind of disjointed um, 
and the, the county needs to show more leadership in that. And they actually um, have kind of tried, but they are starting kind of their they're reinventing the wheel a bit in the sense that they they've hired a person that actually is now going out looking for grants and things like that, that in my mind is kind of taking away resources from the people that are already existing and they're kind of starting something new. Why not work with those existing frameworks? And I mean, they've got everything in place. Why reinvent the wheel, you know? And so poverty, intergenerational poverty, especially, and I think one of the things that I would focus on there is getting back to the technical college. Again, to I think sometimes we're a little too college oriented and I'm not opposed to universities or colleges. I mean, I've got my degrees and I'm sure. happy with that, but not everybody has four or five or six years to go through college, end up with a degree and $60,000 in student debt and then go find a job. When you can go to the technical college and like we were talking earlier, go to an eight, 10 month you know, program and start making fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year with no debt, that's that's gonna be the fastest way to raise people out of poverty. And in my mind, those are not terminal degrees. It doesn't stop there. If you have become an electrician, a plumber, a hairdresser, maybe after a couple of years you want to start your own business and you expand. Or you go, this isn't really for me, but at least you have an income while you're going to school so you can do those things. It's I mean, actually, I'm a product of technical college back in Minneapolis. And, you know, I didn't go back to college till I was later in life. But, you know, it, was, it gave me, I think, the confidence, the security and things like that to get started. And so I'm a real believer. And I think you can probably tell in technical colleges. But then if people want to move on, they're free to do that. And it's a good way to launch and get people going. It's And I think it's way overlooked and underestimated. And I think... I'm getting off on my tangent here, but no, I, I wholeheartedly agree. We act like universities are a one size fits all. And that's kind of what we drive into students' heads. And I mean, for me, I didn't think that a technical college was really a great idea. I tried to study coding at both Weber State and uh, ATC. And it ended up being ATC that taught me how to do the job that I have now because it was so accelerated and so focused. And I mean... I got the history of it at Weber State, but I just got what I needed at the technical college. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not so good. yeah, you know. So those, those are, that's another thing, Colby. I'd like to focus on is how do we help get um, you know some of these families break that poverty cycle? And again, we have to think long term, not just next week or next month. We have to think long term. What will this do for families in five or ten or fifteen years? And I think that's going to be the way the ticket for them to really, you know, be successful. You know, I agree a hundred percent, Alex, what I've learned, it, you know, my wife and I both lost our jobs in April because of COVID-19 and, you know, in spite of our educations, uh, we found it very, very difficult. And so this is exactly what we did. We turned to the technical college as a means of helping. And so just got a job as an electrician's apprentice, which is great. Going to be starting yeah. that path with the IBEW. But also what I'm, what I'm finding is, if we can set young people on a path of starting at the technical college, getting themselves a great income while they're studying and, you know, and then they can, okay, mm -hmm. I've got a great job. I'm, like you said, I'm making maybe fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 now a year, which is a very comfortable living for a family. If you I go choose, find a job that'll pay for your college education, if you want yeah. to. 
they certainly might, right? Uh, and so, and then you can choose to take that next step and say, now I'd like to go to Weber State. And what you'll find, I think, is when you go to the ATC, often your education at the ATC will transfer over to Weber State. They've got a great partnership to say, okay, all of this stuff that you, your certificate at the ATC, that's worth basically a minor at at Weber State University, and that gets you going. So you've got yeah. you've got this income. Now you're going to college. You don't necessarily need to borrow as much, or maybe now you qualify for Pell Grant monies. And so your your liability in terms of student debt goes way down because yeah. you're, take, you're taking night classes, but you're also working and raising your family. And you can mm-hmm. graduate from college in a way that really sets you up for success. Unfortunately, I'm doing it backwards. I've got a lot of student debt, and now I'm going to the technical college, but that's how it goes with that one-size-fits-all treatment, just trying exactly. to push everyone to university. Yeah. Well, and you know, the other thing, too, Colby, about that is um, if you're an auto mechanic, an electrician, a plumber, your job's not going to be outsourced. Exactly. No, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's a service economy. Uh, here, you need it. I mean, you know, I don't – well, now, now I'll, I'll know an electrician to call, but, I mean, I'm trying to get somebody over here to fix them. They're so busy. It's unbelievable. Oh, Me too. Yep. You know, yeah. and that's another thing I like about that too, about the blue collar work is the fact that your learn your earning potential is essentially unlimited. It's only limited by the number of hours in a day. If you choose to take on side gigs during the weekend, you can get yourself a nice trip to Ireland or Scotland if you choose. <laughs> right. And it can't be outsourced to. And, and yeah, like they need, that person has to be in the area because that person's got to come to your house and rewire whatever. And I had a, my instructor told me this week that, you know, he, even though he is well-versed in construction, that he needed a guy to come and put 16 can lights in his house, paid him $4,000 to do it. <laughs> that, that pays for a family vacation to Scotland. I'll tell you that right now. You yeah. betcha. Yeah. See, now you got us excited. Well, yeah. the ATC, I'm so sold on the ATC right now. I mean, it yeah. is a gem and I've, I've really enjoyed the short amount of time that I've been there, but good well, to hear. Good, good, good people too. I've got to know a number of them there and they're just, just wonderful people. And, and again, their heart's in the right place. They are there to serve the students. And I think it's just, and again, they are at Weber State too, so I'm not trying to take anything away from them. But no, for all the no. reasons we've just been talking, I think we just have to take a closer look at, at some of these other options for people. It's a good way to get going, and and you know nobody can question my loyalty to the Wildcats. Oh yeah, if, he's if wearing you, Weber State gear at ATC. He's posting. It's, it's true. I do wear Weber State gear at ATC. In fact, I, so I take a photo every Friday. Weber wear Friday, right? And last Friday, I was wearing you know wearing my safety glasses, wearing my Weber State hat, holding my skill saw, saying, "Hey." Nobody's safe from Weberware Friday, even the OWATC. I'm surprised you haven't asked him your question yet, Colby. Maybe you want to close it out with that. Uh, it's true. Question so, for everybody. Uh, I usually, you know, anytime we usually have candidates on, I, I always ask, you know, uh, if you're a, a fan of the Wildcats or on the commission, if, you know, if you're in a position of power, uh, would, you, would you be willing to work to make Weberware Friday a thing at the commission <laughs> or in county government? Uh, huh. Well, let's see here. I think I would. Yeah, oh, man. So there you he's, go. He's got my vote. He's got there you my go. vote. <laughs> well, then we're in. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I mean, that, that's my biggest thing. I, I feel like uh, we don't see a ton of support for the university in Weber County. And it makes me sad. Everybody says that they love Weber State, but I want people to be loud and proud about their love for Weber State. And this is the home school, right? This is right in our backyard. And, and it's a great school. These are yeah. our folks, right? 
definitely. Well, I, I guess we this if anything this this conversation was a success in getting getting a candidate to commit to yeah, Weberware we got Friday. Another one. <laughs> well, well, you know, real quickly, I've, I've had the chance to work with uh, a lot of students at Weber State. They uh, have done internships where I was working before, and then I've also worked with the marketing classes there for well, probably the last like six years, and they do campaigns for us. I try and be you know, a mentor, and I tell you, it's just, it is a great relationship, and all, all the people I've run into there, too, the instructors, the students, um, love the school, and I mean, and it shows. And I think it is, uh, again, another really unpolished gem that we have here that we need to make more noise about. So Yes, sir. That reminds me. Your videos are great. I had to tell you. Those are good. Really oh, thanks. Polished. Nice looking. <laughs> Well, thanks. Amazing what you can do with an iPhone, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, I've been, I've been in that camp for a while that, you know, that a lot of candidates in Weber County are really missing the boat on some very simple, basic digital tools that could really enhance their campaign. And I'm glad to see that you're taking advantage of them because I think, like John said, you're doing a great job. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And I appreciate the opportunity to be with you today, too. This is great. Yeah. So, Alex, I wanted to close out by um, letting the JC peeps know how to get involved with the campaign. It's a countywide campaign, so there's a lot of work to do. Where can they yep. find you? Where can they donate? Where can they volunteer their time? Let the folks know. Sure. How, how can they get involved? Yeah. So, my uh, website is thethriftyscott.com. Dot com. So the thrifty Scott is all one word dot com. And there um, you can sign up to volunteer. You can make contributions if you'd like. There's more information about me. So if you're wondering, you know what I'm all about, there's a lot more information there as well. And be happy to have you come on, volunteer, hand out brochures, put up lawn signs, you know, whatever. And I think really the main thing is vote. <laughs> Tell your friends to vote. Make sure you're registered to vote. You know, get your neighbors to vote. I mean, that's really going to be the key thing this year. And one last thing I'll, I'll just kind of get on a little soapbox about is I think Democrats in Utah in general and in Weber County kind of go, well, my vote doesn't count. Well, of course it doesn't if you don't, if you don't use it. So looking at the county, we are about 30% Democrat, 35% Republican, and about 35% independent or non-affiliated. If we can get all the Democrats to vote, a good handful of the independent, non-affiliated, and some disaffected Republicans, which I'm meeting a lot of this year, we can do this thing. So mm. we have to just get out there and vote. And I just hope people get that message and just do it and get their friends to register. And that's going to be the really key thing in November. Well, and with mail-in ballots, too, earlier. Yeah. So. I think that's a big piece right there. Tell your friends. Uh, if you're listening to the show, tell them about Alex McDonald in Weber County running for the commission. If you are a resident of Weber County, it will be your opportunity to vote for him. And um, Alex, grateful for you com for coming on the Junction City podcast today. We really appreciate you taking the time. Well, I thank you. Yeah, good, good to talk to both you and John, and I appreciate what you guys are doing. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, good to see you, Alex. Um, right. like, we, like we said at the top of the show, folks, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Make sure to tell your friends so that we can find more JC Peeps in Weber County and grow the impact of the show. And find us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We also have a Facebook group called the Junction City Forum. It's a great place to continue the conversation. And that's where we also have a lot of the polls that we talk about on the show. That's where you get to interact with other JC Peeps in Weber County. So. With that, really appreciate you coming on again, Alex and John Miles, like we say every week. All politics is local.
Nice, yeah, it's just another podcast. It's just me thinking that they